You're welcome right. to the Dipshit Files, episode 79. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And today continues the Witchtober episode schedule. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And this is kind of about one of the greatest witches, I guess you could say, or well, he's wizard-like cons- Illuminati cunts. Yeah, the, the wickedest man in the world. That's right. Yes. Alistair Crowley. It's about his home. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Boleskine House. This is where, like bands recorded albums and stuff and there's all sorts of weird shit huh there's so much lore and history about this place and we're gonna learn a bit about it today fuck yeah let's do the dipshit files on a house yes alistair crowley's house mm-hmm The wickedest man in the world is dead, (laughs) proclaimed the British sensational press, with relief, by the way, when Aleister Crowley died on December the 1st, 1947. According to Crowley, though, he isn't finished yet. Quote, 1,000 years from now, Crowley wrote, the world will be sitting in the sunset of Crowleyanity. <laughs> the self-aggrandizing Crowley called himself the Great Beast, 666, and many other tongue-in-cheek apocalyptic titles. And he signed his, signed his name with a dick. That's good. <laughs> the reaction from the shocked public seemed understandable. Crowley had dedicated his whole life to a feverish, uncompromising search for meaning. He experimented with magical cults, invented his own religion, and it is said, drove some of his followers insane with eerie rituals. Crowley has been charged with sodomy, murder, and ritual rape. He is said to have advocated drinking the blood of infants. According to Crowley's diaries, he performed this sacrifice about 150 times per year from 1912 to 1928. So it's hardly likely he actually murdered infants, though. Hmm popular belief now is that he was referring to ritual masturbation and Mm. not literal human sacrifice. Mm. He was the troll before trolls. Yes. He was, he was father troll. He's father troll. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Crowley proclaimed that he had studied white and black magic, but had never practiced black magic and had always written about it in terms of strongest condemnation. Now, in this episode, we're going to learn a bit about Boleskine House on the shores of Loch Ness, which was built as a hunting lodge in the late 18th century. Archibald C. Fraser, who served as a British consul in Tripoli and Algiers, commissioned Boleskine House. Although the blues are calling, salad (laughs) and scrambled eggs. Although it was not finished until 1809. Having outlived all his sons, the house would later pass to his grandson, Archibald T. F. Fraser, and the estate remained in the ownership of the Fraser family until 1894. In 1899, British poet, mountaineer, and esotericist Alistair Crowley purchased Boleskine for 2,000 pounds, which was actually twice the market value at the time. Boleskine, he believed, provided a more favorable location for his occult practices. He wished to conduct a series of rituals from the Book of Abermelon, 
a mid-15th century manuscript of a Jewish mystical provenance that would become central to Crowley's new religion, Thelema, which he believed would help him make contact with his holy guardian angel. When Crowley first moved into Boleskine House, he found it necessary to write a letter of complaint to the local vigilance society. Prostitution, Crowley wrote, is most unpleasantly conspicuous in the area. I thought that was kind of funny. What a prude. An officer of the society went duly, he was duly sent to investigate, and he was deeply puzzled. Uh, reported that they could find no evidence whatsoever of prostitution. And he's like, and you have your dick out. Why do you care? You're just walking around with your dick out. <laughs> Crowley wrote back, conspicuous by its absence, you fools. Uh. <laughs> Rad. Before moving to Boleskine, Crowley had been living in various rooms in Chancery Lane, London, where he had fashioned two temples for his occult explorations one white and lined with six huge mirrors, the other black with an altar supported by a figure of a man standing on his hands and uh, also a human skeleton that Crowley would feed from time to time with the blood of small birds and rodents. Creepy. The idea, he explained, was to give it life. Quote, but I never got further than causing the bones to become covered with a viscous slime. End quote. Was he trying to do make it dance? Gross. Yeah. I don't know. Alistair Crowley bought Boleskin with the pointed purpose of performing an elaborate magical ritual there. Part of this ceremony involves summoning demonic entities and binding them with the goal of removing their negative influences from the magician's life. This is a very dangerous ritual to attempt because regardless of what any magician tells you, demons cannot be controlled. Note to self. Crowley's notoriety and the ritual is where much of the present-day Boleskine legend comes from. So, legend has it that the house was built on the site of a 10th century Scottish kirk, or church, which had burned down, killing the entire congregation trapped inside. In an ancient publication compiled from parish archives called An Account of the Kirk of Boleskine, It's recorded that in the second half of the 17th century, a minister named Thomas Houston, whose intricately carved gravestone can still be seen in the graveyard, was called from the rectory by locals when a notorious local wizard raised the bodies of the dead. Minister Houston had an extremely difficult job of laying them to rest again. One traveler kept a journal describing the graveyard. Get in there, you fucking guy. Get in there. (laughs) One traveler kept a journal describing the graveyard at that period. Quote, after dinner, we took a walk to see the Kirk of Boleskine, the poorest edifice of any kind I ever looked upon, as is also the manse. Now, a manse is another term for a rectory or a pastor's home, which is usually attached to the church. Hmm. Quote, the churchyard is quite open without any walls, where you see plenty of human bones above ground, and on the floor of the kirk is overspread with them. But how much I was shocked to hear that sometimes the dogs are seen carrying the human bones in their teeth. Just, End quote. Just digging up some dead bones. Digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. <laughs> Get it, girl. Resurrecting <laughs> memories of love that's dead and gone. 
Night I'm sitting alone digging up bones. bones. I thought it was collecting. Sorry. What do I know? Okay. The actual magical ritual which Crowley attempted to perform at Boleskine had nothing to do with black masses or black magic. Generals gathered in their masses, <laughs> just like witches at black masses. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to do one too. Awesome. Party by destruction. Sing it, baby. Sing it. As a war machine keeps marching. Oh, Lord, yeah. I, I had to get the guitar in there. I okay. fucked up the words there. Evil minds the plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. I, <laughs> I guess this is just a musical. Just Dipshit files the musical. <laughs> All right, so it's not black magic, right? Right. It's known as the Abramelin operation, taken from the book of the sacred magic of Abramelin the Mage, okay. a famous grimoire dating back to at least the middle of the 15th century, which we have, by the way. Of course we do. We do. It's up in that cupboard. It's winked at me just as you said that. <laughs> It's very interesting. Crowley seems to have become aware of the ritual from the 1897 translation of the book by occultist Samuel Little Mathers, one of the founders of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which Crowley had actually joined in 1898 before pissing off most of its members, including Mathers, a few years later. (laughs) So the house was considered perfect for this ceremony due to its relative seclusion because, as Crowley put it, one must have a house where proper precautions against disturbances can be taken. This being arranged, there was really nothing to do but to aspire with increasing fervor and concentration for six months towards the obtaining of the knowledge and conservation of the holy guardian angel. What the? Huh? End quote. Right? <laughs> he spoke bigly. Dude, I, I've read Aleister Crowley books, like mm-hmm. the Book of the Law. Mm-hmm. You really need to be initiated into some kind of group that I'm not to, to really understand the I... full... De- like, that guy wrote... Beautifully. And also, like, cryptically. Well. Super cryptically. <laughs> like, you had to decode... You had to get a Thelema code decoder ring or some well, shit. Well, it's yes and no. I mean, I don't know. I find his writing fascinating. Uh, the Book of the Law is not nearly as difficult to read as his personal diary. Sure. Uh, there's And I quoted some personal diary stuff in here. It's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and we're actually going to do an episode on Crowley's life mm-hmm. uh, and his history. Fascinating uh, shit. He is, he's a really fascinating human. He really is. He, I, he gets a bad rap. Um, partly because of propaganda, uh, partly because he's a dick. Yeah, he was a dick. He, you know, he was a dick, but... Papa Troll. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Okay. The house also had the necessary opening to the north where Crowley built a terrace, which he covered with fine river sand. A place where, as proof of the ritual's progress, the footprints of the spirits would appear. Crowley considered the building to be a Thelemic Kibla. Now, that was a. I had to look that up to make sure I pronounced it. You gotta properly. make up words if you have a religion. Thelemic Kibla. Okay. A kind of esoteric mecca or a focal point for mystical energy, hmm. making it a powerful center for performing intense magical rituals. Now, when the preparations had been set, Crowley began the ritual, stating in his personal diary a promise not to offend God or work ill against his neighbors. Which I found fascinating. Yeah. Now, the purpose of performing this months-long and extremely intense Abramelin ritual was for the magician to communicate with his holy guardian angel or his higher self. 
The mage, or magician, must summon and mentally conquer the 12 kings and dukes of hell, including Lucifer, Satan, Leviathan, and Belial. And Tim. And bind them, thereby gaining command of them in his own mental universe. The ceremony was an introduction which states that nobody should perform it, period. Unfortunately for Crowley and those around him, the Abramelin Rite seemed to have succeeded mainly in summoning demons, or the Abramelin Devils, as Crowley called them. Crowley said to have summoned 115 entities during these rituals. There were reports of a heavy, oppressive atmosphere at Boleskine. Dark, eerie shadows filled the house. Fierce winds blew through the rooms, despite the calm weather outside. You know what likely it is? is uh, Radon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And strange figures were seen in and around the property. You can't help yourself, can you? It's in the rocks, you know? Uh, Just a little gas thing. I don't even know what it is. (laughs) Somebody should educate me. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Historian Francis King said this about the book. Quote, The sacred magic of Abramelin expresses its doctrine and the technique to which to perform it more clearly and more consistently than any other grimoire. Nice. Looks like a Sudoku book. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like I'm worried that Sudoku players are accidentally summoning (laughs) demons to their house. Just you got accident. some 80-year-old woman playing Sudoku and like, why are the walls Whoa. leaking? <laughs> Whoa. What the fuck? Now, this is crazy. Huh. It's it's an interesting grimoire. Yeah. Uh, I found it fascinating. It's filled with what are called satyr squares. Yeah. Uh, and different ways to write them. Uh, it's abracadabra in square form. And that's why I think it looks like Sudoku. Because <laughs> it looks like a game that smart right. people were playing back in the day. But they wanted to bring demons. Okay. Alright, so the machinery of the cosmos is seen as operated by demons under the direction of angels. Well, that's fucking convoluted. Man is seen as standing between the angelic and the demonic. Hmm. So, each human Uh, Each human being having attached to his or her soul a malevolent demon and a holy guardian angel. That's how uh, this was seen. So the object of the processes taught in the sacred magic of Abramelin the mage was the obtaining of the knowledge and conversation of this holy guardian angel. Once this had been done, the magician could control the demons who run the universe, raise the dead, he could heal the sick, find great treasures, and even fly, end quote. I'm pretty sure there's an anime about this. Right. Now, by by fly, uh, this is presumed that he meant to astral project, not uh-huh. actually like sprout wings, but fly in your mind. Okay. Okay. So these rituals evidently required six months of preparation, as well as celibacy and complete abstinence. And also meth. But it, no, you couldn't drink. Uh, You couldn't eat pork. Hmm. You couldn't masturbate. You couldn't do drugs. Out. Uh, And you had to drink basically uh, clear liquids, so broths and water. Hmm. What about piss? I don't know anyone who'd be drinking their piss. I feel like he might. Maybe. Okay. Maybe if he was doing drugs, he wanted, you know, a rerun. (laughs) 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 Gross. Okay. However... Crowley was called away to Paris by his grandmaster, the head of the Golden Dawn, before completing these spells. 
Shortly after Crowley left for Paris, the locals began to whisper about the dark black clouds hanging in the skies around Boleskine House. With many residents going way far out of their way to avoid traveling anywhere near the building. So upon his return to Boleskine, Crowley immediately felt the changes in his estate. He's like, whoopsie. Right. Even his protege had left the property while he was gone. His description of what transpired during the ritual can be found in his diary. And I quote. (laughs) Besides these comparatively explainable effects on human minds, there were countless physical phenomena for which it is hard to account While I was preparing the talismans, or squares of vellum, inscribed with Indian ink, a task which I undertook in the sunniest room in the house, I had to use artificial light even on the brightest days. It was a darkness which might almost be felt. The lodge, the terrace, moreover, soon became filled with shadowy shapes, sufficiently substantial, as a rule, to be almost opaque. I say shapes, and yet the truth is that there were no shapes, properly speaking. The phenomenon is hard to describe. It was as if the faculty of vision suffered some interference, as if the objects of vision were not properly objects at all. It was as if they belonged to an order of matter which affected the sight without informing it. One day... I came back from shooting rabbits on the hill and found a Catholic priest in my study. Hmm. He had come to tell me that my lodge keeper, a total abstainer for 20 years, had been raving drunk for three days and tried to kill his wife and children. I got an old Cambridge acquaintance to take Rorsch's place, but he too began to show symptoms of panicked fear. The demons and evil forces had congregated round me so thickly that they were shutting out the light. It was a comforting situation. There could be no more doubt of the efficacy of the operation. You're sure there wasn't any math? You're sure 100% no math? No math. Okay. Despite these clear signs... It sounds like math. Sorry to interrupt. It sounds like math. I've never done math, so I don't know if if it's shadows. I don't know what math is all about. Okay. Despite these clear signs that dark forces were surrounding him, Crowley continued to work on the ritual, going so far as to deny any visits from friends out of fear for their safety. One story concerns a local butcher who arrived at the house to pick up the meat order while Crowley was involved in the lengthy, difficult ritual of the Abermelon. Fucking with demons! The butcher rang the bell and got no answer, so he continued to ring until it became an incessant, non-stop sound. <laughs> I could just imagine the butcher standing out there, ring, ring, no answer, ring, ring, no answer, and then just went ring, 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 ring. Could you, like the little kid, yeah, the yeah. little neighbor that just rings the doorbell over and over again? And there's a demon, like, being in the process I, I of being somebody's like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I had a you neighbor. That out I had a neighbor kid when the kids were young, who would ring the doorbell once and give you three seconds to open the door. If you didn't open the door in three seconds, he would just ring the doorbell over and over and over again to the point where you wanted to just grab him around the throat mm-hmm. when you open the door finally. I know which kid it is too. Don't yes, I? Okay. you do. Yeah, fucking a. <laughs> you know, I wonder. If you don't want people over, mm-hmm. there's lots of different excuses in this world, but 
meal, like, hey, I'm going to come over. Oh, not today. I'm, I'm summoning demons. Yep. <laughs> Feels like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to come over today. Oh my gosh, that's funny. But you know you'd have I'm one like, of those friends like, can I sit in the corner and watch? No, I'm, no. I might use that. Demon. Because that's funny. He's not going to want you there. Okay, so. For your uh, asshole. Butcher. Ringing the bell. Ding dong, ding dong. This broke Crowley's concentration and completely frustrated, he scribbled out the meat order on the nearest piece of paper he could find, which happened to have a spell written on the back. Whoopsie. Hmm. Shortly afterwards, when the butcher was <laughs> cutting up the meat for Crowley's order back at his shop... He apparently lost his concentration and sliced all of the fingers off of his right hand with a cleaver. Wow. Yikes. Other stories tell of the unexplained disappearance of Crowley's housekeeper and a local workman who went insane after being tormented by the dark spirits conjured up by Crowley's rituals. Crowley didn't spend much more time at Boleskine, and he sold the property in 1913. So once he opened up this ritual didn't finish it he did show up back to the house wasn't long before he left never came back and then he sold it it is said that the demons invoked during the sessions were never banished and strange things have been happening at Boleskine house ever since like the Led Zeppelin 4 album well just wait for that Boleskine was then registered in the ownership of Dorothy C. Priestley and plans were introduced in 1926 to make significant renovations and extensions to the former hunting lodge. However, the renovations never took place. The house passed through a series of owners after Priestley, being purchased by Foyer's Hotels Limited in 1944, then to David Shirley Crichton Simpson in 1946, who, a year later, sold the property to a John Robert Rankin Fullerton. Boleskine House next came into the ownership of Mary Verity Grant, otherwise known as Mary Lorraine. Hmm. It's rumored that while attending an art exhibition in Inverness, Mary Lorraine met Molly Lorraine. Boom. Not related. Boom. Molly was fascinated by Boleskine's mysterious lore and wanted to buy the property. Now, when she met Mary, who shared her surname, it was too strange to call it a coincidence, and she convinced her husband, Dennis Henry Lorraine, to purchase the property in 1963. Hmm. Now, Dennis Lorraine was a career con man. It was Dennis Lorraine who got Hollywood actor George Sanders, which, by the way, Wikipedia incorrectly states was George Raft. Hmm. Uh, it's George Sanders. Well, shit, if I knew who either of those people were, I'd be very pissed. Well, it got him involved in a scam, which would become known as the Great Sausage Scandal. <laughs> All right. I like where this is going. <laughs> no one seems to know the exact timeline, but the scam was that Dennis would set up a company called Loch Ness Foods and claim that he was raising pigs on the site, except... No pig farm existed, and this is how he managed to dupe George Sanders into getting involved. Mm. Now, by the time the law had caught up to Lorraine, he had sold Boleskine House and escaped to the U.S. Mm. A certain Major Edward Grant and his wife Mary were next to take possession of Boleskine. The Major would later commit suicide in the former bedroom of Crowley in 1965. Mm. Anna McLaren was his housekeeper at the time and had an eerie premonition of the tragedy. Now, one afternoon, she was alone, uh, picking vegetables from the garden when she heard a single gunshot come from the house. When she went to investigate, there was no one even in the house. 
She was deeply confused, but decided to put the incident to the back of her mind. However, seven days later, at around that same time of day, her employer would shoot himself in the head. She would recall, quote, when I came up and went to the front door, there was this little bone lying there. And they had this little doggy, Picky Wig was his name. And I said, where did you get that Picky Wig? Because they had this huge fridge and there was nothing in it. I took the bone and I just threw it to the side. I went in and I found him with most of his head blown off. Afterwards, I saw Picky Wig playing with that small bone. Police told me later the bone was part of the major's skull. End quote. Yikes, little dog playing with a bit of you. Be kind of a fun day. What you got there? Oh. Oh, what you got there, Biggie Wiggle? Ooh. <laughs> Great name for a dog that did not go Pick, on to the future, did it? Picky Wig. If you have that, a little puppy and you're wondering a name. How cute. Piggy Wig. Little Piggy Wig. Wig. Oh, Piggy. I like it. So the property was then sold to Halbert Kerr, who ran Beleskin as a guest house from 1967 to 1971. Hmm. Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page purchased Beleskin House in the early 70s, driven by his long-held interest in the life and work of Aleister Crowley. He was just one of the rock stars of the era, influenced by Crowley, whose views on sex and drugs appealed to those rebelling against the uptight views of previous generations. Mm-hmm. He plus they introduced meditation and mm-hmm. some of the yoga and things like that. That was Crowley as well. Yeah. Well, Partly. I I didn't dive into that because that's part of his documentary that we're going to be doing. Next time. Yes. Or next in the future time. Well, Page is quoted as saying that he, quote, related to Crowley's system of self-liberation in which repression is the greatest sin. It's like being stuck in a job when you want to be doing something else. It's like when you're in the line at a grocery store and you want to jerk it. You just do. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Because you don't want to repress yourself. No. Good Lord. Not that. Page went on to claim bad vibes ran through the 18th century property, where he stated the head of an executed man, believed to be Lord Lovett, who fought with the English during the 1745 uprising. Acting! could be heard rolling around the floor. Mm. So the bad vibes were already there, he said in an interview with Rolling Stone in 1975. A man was beheaded there, and sometimes you can hear his head rolling around. I actually haven't heard it, but a friend of mine who's extremely straight and doesn't know anything about anything like that at all heard it. He thought it was the cats bungling about. I wasn't there at the time, but he told the help, quote, why don't you let the cats out at night? He also said that at Beleskin, it's the atmosphere that counts and not the legends. When I go there with friends, writers, and other creative people, I find that it crystallizes things for them in a very short time. Of course, it causes a lot of upheaval for some people as well, end quote. Page invested in restoring Beleskin, including commissioning the artist and occultist Charles Pace to paint murals inspired by those on the walls of Crowley's Abbey of Thelema. Scenes from the Led Zeppelin film, The Song Remains the Same, were filmed on the grounds. Oh, get it, honey. That's not that one, is it? But in the 19 years he owned the house, Page spent no more than a few months there. Mm. Instead, he put it in the care of his friend Malcolm Dent, Over the years, Dent would report numerous strange occurrences and noises in the house, including sharing what he described as, quote, the most terrifying night of my life, end quote, when he was awakened by what sounded like a wild animal. And you know what it said to him? 
Need about three fifty. So this wild animal, what sounded like a wild animal, was snorting outside of his bedroom door. Three fifty. Dent opened the door to find nothing, but said, quote, whatever was there was very, very evil, and I was very, very frightened, hmm. end quote. This next excerpt was taken from an interview with Dent and the Inverness Courier in the late 90s, and I transcribed this. Okay. Quote, so arriving at Boleskine and discovering, one, that it has a history and a past and a pretty weird past at that, and two... That there are certain things still going on there. Crowley said when he was raising the various demons and spirits of Boleskine. Like a dick. He he failed to banish all of them back to whence they came. Like an irresponsible douche. And that one or two residues had been left behind. And he actually mentioned that he left uh, this one bricked up in, as he put it, in the center of Boleskine House. What a cunt. He bricked one in. Fuck. Now, the room I was in that night was the center of Boleskine House. Hmm. Another friend who stayed at the house awoke one night, claiming she had been attacked by some kind of devil. Dent would go on to say, quote, doors would be slamming all night. You'd go into a room and carpets and rugs would just be piled up. Another regular occurrence was that the back door, the inside doors, and the kitchen doors would suddenly spring open as if someone was just running through them, even on calm days. Part of me thinks that they were on drugs and it was a raccoon or something. <laughs> you know, a raccoon can fuck with you if you're high on mushrooms. They really <sighs> can. They're, they will do it on purpose, too. They got thumbs. We just used to say that it was Alistair doing his thing. They have thumbs. Even still, after all this chaos, Dent remained at Boleskine, happily raising his family there until Page sold it in 1991. Hmm. Dent would conclude another interview about the lodge as follows, quote, You had to acknowledge that somebody would come in from outside and have some incredible freaky time while you were there, and you saw it, and you witnessed it, but they were responsible for it because it was in their heads. The house was good at that. The house responded. It's radon. Boleskine House responded to people. So there's got to be a lot of radon. End quote. In the Loch Ness area. The house then passed into private hands, but in 2015, it was almost completely destroyed by a fire in a suspected arson attack. In 2018, it was put on the building's at-risk register for Scotland. <laughs> At that time, a paranormal research group, Highland Paranormal, conducted an investigation at the property, but were unable to detect any supernatural activity. Mainly because they used only bagpipes. <laughs> the following year, in 2019, it was purchased by Kyra and Keith Reddy, who established the Boleskin House Foundation as a charitable trust. One week after the foundation purchased Boleskin House, a second fire broke out in yet another suspected arson attack, collapsing the roof of the property. Scottish Highland councillors have approved plans for the restoration of Boleskin. The building is to be reinstated as a Category B listed building alongside the construction of 10 holiday lodges as part of a, an ambitious rebuild worth more than £1.2 million. The Sunday Times report in December 2020 alleged that the founder of the secular conservation charity that pledged to turn the landmark building into an education center admitted her true intention was to spread the spiritual doctrines of a, quote, notorious occultist, end quote. Hmm. But trustees of the Boleskine House Foundation vehemently denied the claims. 
The foundation has insisted its intention is to turn Boleskine into a center dedicated to promoting Highland history and conservation. Why? Quote, there is no intention for the house to become a place of pilgrimage or ritual, nefarious or otherwise. Wrong. End quote. Bullshit wrong. (laughs) You build it, they will come. Yeah. Now, I know this subject may not be one of interest for everyone, but I wanted to share because without a doubt... Alistair Crowley has left his mark upon the world. And as most people say, you either love him or you hate him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I neither love nor hate him. Yeah, same. I think he's an absolutely fascinating historical figure. Yeah. Now, I've done so much in-depth research about this man over the years. There are so many lies mm-hmm. and fantasies. And most of them he started himself. Made up about this he's guy. A, the king of trolls. He's a troll. Papa troll. Right? Grandpa Patrol. He's a liar! Now, he's looked upon uh, with quite a bit of disdain by many, and sometimes d- deservedly so. He Mainly, was, yeah. Well, he was absolutely terrible with people when it came to relationships. Uh, he was a failure in social situations, but in other aspects, he was so adventurous. Uh, just, I, I don't know. He he was kinda, a, well, he was a mountaineer. Mm-hmm. He was like the Tiger Woods of the OTO. And, it was and crazy. We're gonna magic we're gonna delve into that life of his because he really is a fascinating figure. Prolific I mean, writer. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's looked at as one of the um, the great poets too, mm-hmm. which yeah. is. You know, and he also sang in Metallica. A lot of people who don't know, he was the first singer in Metallica. James Hetfield was like, "I just want to play guitar," and they got Alistair Crowley. Mm-hmm. They time machined him from 1940 right. when he died. Right. Okay. I'm an idiot. All right. So, dude made a lot of mistakes, right? Um, I mean, his daughter Lola never spoke to him. She didn't want to have anything to do with him. Lola. He just seemed to have an awful presence when it came to loved ones and and friends. I, I guess. don't like to love. It seems to me he was very egocentric, narcissistic, and even a bit of a sociopath. Uh, and I found his cruelty to animals totally appalling. Yeah. You know, that was, I, I, that's the one thing I can't look past. Get fucked. Yeah. However, the other aspect of his life, um, the other aspects of his life, they're completely fascinating. Yeah. Now I'm going to be covering the life and history of Aleister Crowley in more depth in a future episode. Um, probably a two-parter because mm-hmm. it's quite long. It's worth but, it, though. What a life, man. But this one was just supposed to be about the notorious Boleskin House. And Boleskin House is just a building without Aleister Crowley, hmm. really. Uh, just a lodge on the banks of the Loch Ness. So we kind of had to touch on him, too. But wasn't it Led Zeppelin Four that was there? Or was it... I'm not sure which album it was. Uh, the song that remains the same. Oh. I think that's... I don't know. The Led song Zeppelin The song remains the same. Yeah. Well, uh, let's ah! talk about... That's let's talk it. about it on the other side of this thingy, and in the meantime, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Now let's wrap it up with some thoughts from our dipshits. And the verdict is Houses of the Holy, right? Yes, yes. The fifth studio album. Oh. Uh. Wow. Well. Mm-hmm. Well. Love it. Mm-hmm. This album was released on March 28th, 1973. And co-written by demons, apparently. Good for them. <laughs> Oh, sing it, honey, sing it. Uh, I want to hear no quarter. Can't you can't no love. Ah! <laughs> All right, you can listen to that yourself. Oh, that's fantastic! So, houses of the holy. Um, everything Led Zeppelin did. I am a huge fan. I always have been a huge fan. Yeah. 
I remember getting the four. Uh, it was a tape at the time, but I got the four tape set. Oh shit! Yeah. Yes, uh, for a Christmas gift. There are so many fucking Led Zeppelin box sets. It's God, ridiculous. Yeah, I got the four uh, the four tape box set. I think I was fifteen hmm. for a Christmas present, and I played the shit out of those tapes. Oh. And then I turned around um, when I was an adult. And I bought the box set CDs mm-hmm. because it was a lot easier to listen to than tapes because I they were warped by the time. I mean, they were literally like, yeah. because I had played them You're so like, much. That's not in tune anymore. Whoops. I know. Whoopsie. <laughs> well, thank you for doing the research on this. You're welcome. It's kind of a preview of Aleister Crowley in the future. Yes. You and I are both pretty fascinated by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been an interesting... If you look into weird things in the world, you'll mm-hmm. find the Aleister Crowley world, the uh, OTO, mm-hmm. the, what is it, Ortis, Otis, Orient- Otis, Otis, Templis, Templet, Templis, Orientis. Oh, now you're confusing it. me. Sorry. OTO. Order, Templis, fucking what? I'm, Why yeah. can't I remember it Golden now? Golden Dawn, that's another one, that's easier. I have said it so many times, I've read it so many times, and I order, Templis, fucking what well you look it up i'm gonna god damn it i can't believe i have to look this up but if you're interested in looking into <sighs> conspiracy and this then uh you find alistair crowley and that's how i found him and then you know i'm supposed to not like him but i found him ordo templi orientis thank you and it was orientis yeah orient something it was about a train is it a mm-hmm. train thing okay oto but yeah thank you for the research was it uh i know you have a fuckload of research on i do Crowley itself. i had um so this is like a quarter of it or so this was well i started with uh in in my file i have 20 plus thousand words uh about alistair crowley's life mm. and his experiences and offshoots so there's so many things i mean he was some people thought he was part of you know spying some yeah. people thought he was part of a co-op or a, a psyop to bring American kids into fucking crazy town mm-hmm. and they, a lot of people think he was the precursor to the hippies and mm. all that oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, the also, drug craze, yep. the, all of the mind expansion stuff like we talked about before, the meditation, mm-hmm. the yoga, a lot of Eastern traditions was his Let's thing. not even talk about the bomb. Mm. I mean, seriously, the nuclear bomb, there's right. also association there. Dude, that is... There's association with Albert Einstein. Mm-hmm. There's, it's It's fascinating. This man had his grubby little hands into everything and he had respect from artists and mm-hmm. also scientists and yes, intellectuals and mm-hmm. you know the, the people that were but he was also excommunicated from multiple countries I well that's, at least france that's or because Italy. Uh, he was actually kicked out of france he was not allowed back in france because he fucked somebody uh in the public on a fountain well, that's not a reason to get excommunicated. Well, uh, along with a bunch of other things. Okay. But really, you know, in did he hurt a pigeon or something? While I was doing that because I'm no, against that. There's a lot. No, no, no. There was a lot of um, alleged things that he did. Right. And the more I dig into this guy and the more I research, I find that there was a lot of uh, a lot of people hated him because he made them very uncomfortable, and he did things that. And said things and acted in ways that you weren't supposed to. Mm-hmm. It was socially unacceptable at that time. And because of that and people's discomfort, they hated him for it. Mm-hmm. And they feared him. So they talked shit about him. And the media talked shit about him. And, you know, people with power would talk shit about him. Mm-hmm. And 
it people believed it because of course you know it's propaganda mm -hmm. but the thing is he didn't give a fuck no he didn't care he played into it too. so he was like oh yeah you think that's great we'll get this mm -hmm. and he would lie about himself yep. because he found it funny it's hilarious Yes. That's influenced a lot of, uh, you'll talk to musicians. I've done mm -hmm. so many interviews with musicians that mm -hmm. have delved into this too. It's the blood, blood sugar sex magic. Mm -hmm. That's Aleister Crowley. Right. And so a lot of them will approach the interview in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. They're just fucking with you for their own entertainment. Right. And you're like, really? I can't print this. Yeah. You fucking guy. Exactly. Fuck? Why? What, what are you doing? What do you think I what am? What are you Some saying? Dickhead? I know. Huh? Come on. Yeah. But so, it's, it's funny, but it's also kind of a... It's exhausting after a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but it gets to the point where you're like, all right, can we stop this facade now? It, it's fine and please, when you... can we be real for just a minute? Right. It was fine when I worked for myself for my mm -hmm. own magazine, but when I worked for the Spokesman Review, it's like, mm -hmm. really? God damn it. Come on, dude. I, like, literally, they're paying me to do this. So mm -hmm. if you fuck me, I'm not going to get paid. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> I already it. don't get paid a lot. We're writers. We're, I'm a journalist. <laughs> they don't even have fucking health care for... A, there's not a journalist <laughs> in America with health care for fuck's sake. Well, I'm very, I am excited to present the Aleister Crowley uh, episode because there's so much in there. Um, I'm It's probably going to be a two-parter right. and they're probably going to be hour plus two-parter. Um, so, because I would like to cover not just his birth, you know, life and death. I want to cover the offshoots, yeah. the people he touched during his life, the Fuck. people he pissed off. I mean, he went to fucking Egypt. And took his wife into the the uh, the Great Pyramid, and they held a fucking ritual in the Great Pyramid. It's just what? Huh? The man was larger than life. Yeah, he really was. He believed that the universe conspired on his behalf, which yeah. is a, a wise way to look at the yeah. world, even when it continually shows you that eh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But he had that attitude, and it served him well, well until the, he got older. It was kind of pathetic the way it went out. Well, not pathetic. I don't want to say pathetic, but he ruined his body. Um, through his actions, uh, the man did do drugs, you know, admittedly he did drugs. Now, one thing that I haven't found, I would like to find uh, an autopsy maybe, or maybe uh, if they had like a, a toxicology report mm -hmm. when he passed away, I'd like to find that. I never have found that. Hmm. So I'd like to kind of dig and see if I can find that to find out, did he die full of drugs? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Um, because you never know what to believe with this guy. Dude, it was awesome. When you read his work and you read about the things said about him mm -hmm. and how much of it he controlled. Yeah. It's kind of like today, if you're on the internet and somebody has made a whole website based around pissing people off uh -huh. and they stage it, but it's well done. Yeah. That's like him. That's his life. Yeah. He was like anti-propaganda, but his own propaganda. His own, well, he was anti-propaganda, but he would do his own thing just to see if people would believe it. Yeah. And it was crazy. The dude was in, he fell in love with a man. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a long-term relationship with a man. He fell in love with a, a woman and got married and had a long-term relationship with a woman. He may have fucked a goat. He fell in love oh. with another man, but that one was secret. Mm -hmm. It didn't come out until after he died. He very, did, he very did interesting. He did have a lot of, like, animal sex. That's like one of the rumors, too, is that there's you know, animals involved in the sexual rituals. That's why I said the goat or whatever. I, I, I get it. Um, I don't. Probably bullshit. That's where I don't know. I do know he wrote about it, um, but he also wrote about eating his wife's farts. Right. You know. I believe that. So it's hard to say. Is it for, is it a shock factor? We all know that person. 
We all have that person. Put your head down under the blankets. No, we have that. We have that person in our life now, or we did in the past that, you know, they were going to do something just to see the look on your face or the people around you, their faces. They just say the thing that you're not supposed to say and makes everyone go, oh my God, you actually said that? Paw Patrol. Yes. So we all know one. We know one. Oh, God. You were just with this person today. Yes, I was. And this person always says the thing that you're like, that's gross. Why'd you say that? <laughs> always the, you know, the butta bing guy. The consistency is excellent. Uh, always. You can always guarantee this individual will have some type of dick or poop comment. Always. <laughs> or make one of my songs into a fucking graphic song. Exactly. Anyways. Well, thank you so much. For, You're welcome. <laughs> for this. And thank you guys for listening to this point with us on this journey. 79 episodes yeah. of The Dipshit Files. I don't know if you guys can notice, but if you've noticed, but I feel so much better. I was sick for a month. Yeah. And I feel so much better. We're I have also more in, energy. We're also in the JAR studio. So we it's are. a little bit different vibe in here, too, than yeah. in the Scatcast studio. So. Yeah. There's a different vibe here. Yeah. I like the sound too. Mm-hmm. It's nice and lots of angles and shit. Perfect. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all of you guys so much. There's so many people to thank at this point. I know. Every week it just grows and grows mm-hmm. and it warms my heart. Uh, I do want to thank a few people this week extra, but uh, Tim Canada, brother. Tim Canada. Canada. Tim Canada. <laughs> he sent me a bunch of yummy fucking things. And, and also... <laughs> He sent oh, us the matching Radon shirts. Yes, he did. And it is so cool. We're going to take pictures of that and put that up uh, probably on social media and in Patreon. Yeah. I love this idea. It's so good. Good it's, job, man. Yeah. Well, we can tell him about it. So yeah. One says, I think it's probably Radon. It's, or, the, I'm paraphrasing myself here on the shirt. Right. It's uh, probably Radon. Probably Radon. And, then and your mine shirt, says it's not Radon. It's not Radon. So if we stand next to each other, it will yeah. make our dipshit files... <laughs> joke into the real world and i love that so much but it's not right on thank you so much tim canada yes uh mr Spoonman, thank you so much brother for all mm-hmm. the things that you do uh, we've got I, I finally got to talk with daniel today daniel hall give him some money that you guys all mm-hmm. raised for him and yes. talk about future things and i got to show him one of the spoons from Spoonman, and he yes. loved it and so thank you Spoonman, for that and we're going to continue to raise money for daniel mm-hmm. over this whole next year we're just going to do stuff and We'll throw some money that way and all that good stuff. So we'll figure it out there. But thank you to our trusted turd triad of Don, Chris, and Bodie. Mm-hmm. Those three guys do so much for us. Our trusted turd herders. Yes. Starting with PJ and Minnie, who and do our Reddit. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many other folks. Gosh, we got Deja. Deja. Uh, who's basically, well, between PJ, Minnie, and Deja, and so many other people, uh, they've got Smear the Emotionals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool group. Chat if you group, get on yeah. Messenger, yeah. It's amazing. And they pick each other up. Yeah, and they do. that is the, what goes on there. Uh, Lucifina Lightbringer, mm-hmm. uh, David Carpenter, the the Scat Warlock. Yes. I like calling him the Scat Warlock. Scat Warlock, much more fun. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Ethan, because <laughs> <laughs> holy shit, dude! Uh, he he sent me a meme drop of the Scatcast memes that he's made. Oh my god! I mean, Corbino's a stud, and he's he's made. Oh, we got Labardi, yeah, and Labardi. Mm-hmm. These guys. Funky, he made the oh, first. Oh gosh, the, the one that started all yes, this shit. Yes, Casey was the first one. It's mm-hmm. actually framed on your desk. Yeah, it sure is. And then you know we have, of course, the shitbox wizard is mm-hmm. constantly making awesome Photoshop stuff. But 
Eason, bro. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, I'm on the ship box as much as I can be, but I really find myself out of the internet mm-hmm. too much. But whenever I get in there, I'm like, holy wow, you guys are amazing. Yeah. But Eason sent me like a hundred. He has done a lot of work. Oh my. Between him and Corbino, I think we've basically blanketed the internet. Just those two. <laughs> and then you add Labardi. Oh my gosh. I know. Jose Montez. Jose. You know, I love being able to say your guys' names every week because mm-hmm. you're doing stuff every week. Say my name. No, say just, my name. You, this has been the most musical episode. There's say drums behind this. It's going to be out of key. You uh, and running games. Say my name. Say my name. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I can't help myself. Thank you guys so much on Patreon. We appreciate you guys. The shit out of you guys. We just passed our most recent goal. Mm-hmm. So we're having a smoke out. Yes, we're gonna we get are. stoned in the month of, month of August. Yes. August, Aug- October. Where the fuck have I you don't been? Know. I'm stoned now, so I think <laughs> it's August. We're gonna get, we're gonna do it sometime. We were thinking about doing a Halloween party, but we'll just do it a simple thing and a, mm-hmm. a free hangout with with all y'all. That'd be fun. There was a really cool idea of doing a big Zoom meeting with, mm-hmm. with everybody, but I think we should do that later. Mm-hmm. We, this is a crazy month, so yeah. But yep, that's it. Thank you, guys. Thank Info you. at scatcast.com is how to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Again, Patreon is the, the only way, really, to support us financially that we like. Mm-hmm. We're not doing ads. People are trying to talk us into ads. I don't I know, know. I know. I, I mean, know. I know there's lots of money on the table, and we're like, eh, but... And you can skip them. We'll have to talk about that or whatever. We will need to talk about... God, I don't want to do ads. Just, That's just it, but... I don't want to stay fresh on my show. Oh, well, stay want, fresh. Whatever it is. You mean... Uh, eat, eat fresh. Eat fresh. Eat balls. I don't know. Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. Yes. You know the companies that I want to support? I want to do it for free. Mm-hmm. Like I, what I would prefer is like how we do the scat tunes. Uh-huh. Like every person that's a guest host just say some business that you oh, live around. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. That, that makes more sense to me. I know it's a financial thing, but we make toys here and mm-hmm. we make cards here and yeah. we have fun that way. And we think that that's a fun way to fund this. And we don't need to bombard you with things that we don't believe in and random shit that we don't even know, I know. exists. It is lots of money, but it's I like, don't know if I'd eh. be able to say and I made this dinner. Could you imagine? <laughs> or I cooked I, this dinner I that like, I got in a box, and it's really good. Podcast food is better than real food. <laughs> I know. It's not though. Anybody who knows me is like, she cooked something. Yeah, what? What the fuck? I you mean you mean on the stove? <laughs> I believe it if it was on the grill, but on the st- she she used a pan. If it's if it's soap. It, well, th- that's different. Yeah. You don't eat soap. Thank goodness. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure what I'm talking about. Rejecting ads because I'm all edgy and, and I grew up with Pearl Jam and we fight the man, honey. Is, is that what we do? I guess so. We just <laughs> leave money on the table. I know you guys can skip it and a lot of you have sent in things over the, over yeah. the past little bit. Like, yeah, you, you can do ads. And, and we have a, a friend in our corner that's like, dude, fucking hey, bro, come on. Mm-hmm. But We're thinking about it, but we haven't pulled the plug or pulled the plug. We haven't uh, no, pulled either. the trigger. No. We haven't done anything yet. So I anyway, I don't know if we will. I don't like working in that we'll facet. See. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure see. it out. I don't know why I'm, I'm pontificating about it here. I have no idea. As always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye, motherfucking Bye, fucking garment. Bing bong. <laughs> I think you spit on me. I spit on everything. I own all this now. Oh, it's on my screen. Yay.